Welcome to the Old Time Religion Podcast. Here we consider faith, theology, and culture through a traditionalist and Anglican lens. I'm Brandon Meeks, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join me for this episode. The Greek word for creed is the word symbolon, from which we get our English word symbol. The word refers to two parts of a seal or token placed together in order to prove a person's identity. The creeds function in just this way. Our individual confession of faith is one half of the symbol. The historic faith shared by the whole church is the other half. As the two halves fit together as one, we can say that we belong to that undying body known as the communion of saints. But by saying that the creeds are symbols, we are not maintaining that the body of doctrine contained therein is something less than real. Rather, we are suggesting that nothing is more real than symbols. By faith we understand that the heavens were framed by the Word of God. Hebrews 11.3 When speaking with those whom we perceive to be more intellectually astute, we don't usually lead with faith. Faith is like the old family pet. Everyone loves him. You don't really want to get rid of him, but you wouldn't dream of bringing him out at cocktail parties. He would undoubtedly jump on someone and stick his inquisitive nose into somebody's business. And you certainly wouldn't want to be thought of as that kind of person. So Faith stays locked in the basement until all of the respectable people have gone home. Then you might bring him out to entertain the kids or just to give you something warm and fuzzy to hold on to for a while. Where we tend to see faith as the ground for and property of religion, the scriptures see faith as the ground of rationality. Faith is not credulity. There is no virtue in gullibility. Childlike faith is a mature, unflinching trust that can easily distinguish between a cooing mother and a total stranger. Childlike faith recognizes the voice that first spoke his name. Every other voice must be tested and tried by that one. Faith and reason are not in opposition, they are in apposition. Faith has his reasons, and reason has his faith. But even twins are not necessarily born simultaneously. Faith preceded reason as Esau preceded Jacob, and with much the same outcome. Reason latched on to the heel of faith and refused to let go. We get into trouble when we attempt to separate them, or when we try to steal the birthright from the firstborn. Faith is not God talk for things non-existent. Faith is the substance of things not yet fully observable. For the writer of Hebrews, faith doesn't require evidence. Faith is evidence. Evidence, on the other hand, requires a lot of faith. One has to see that which is invisible in order to make connections between various lines of evidence. That we believe such a process to be reasonable is an exercise of faith. Now, you can believe that or not, but either way, you have to believe something. Faith is prior to knowing simply because the Word is prior to knowing. 
In fact, the Word is prior to everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word comes first. That's the axiomatic hinge upon which all true knowledge turns. Remembering the proper order between that which is ultimate and that which is proximate is fundamental. The Word constitutes reality. The world only reflects reality. Christians are not materialists, and neither should anyone else be. So we cannot simply look around the world in order to find out what is real. We look to the Word, incarnate in the person of Jesus, and inspired in the pages of Scripture. And there we find out what is real and what is illusory. The Word is the image, the speech, the self-expression, the imprinted representation of the Father. This means that the Word is a metaphor. The Word is a symbol. The Word, the ultimate symbol, created the world. Thus ours is a world of symbols. The world is not a boiling pot of water with symbols rising off the top like rolling bubbles and mystic steam. Rather, the world and everything it contains exists because of the Word. We stumble at this because we have so devalued the power of symbols. We have neglected this truth to our peril. In contemporary discourse, the phrase symbolic gesture has come to mean meaningless. For the fathers of the church, little was more meaningful than symbolic gestures. We fail to see the force of symbols largely because we are unaware of how much they are part of our daily lives. Like the water in which a fish swims, we don't see them precisely because they are constantly enveloping us. A handshake, a hug, a kiss, rolling eyes, upturned noses, shrugging shoulders, 25% of a wave, these are all symbols. But they are symbols that actually do things. A kiss isn't just a bare symbol for love, it is an act of love. A handshake forges the very bond which it later comes to represent. While we can't collapse the thing signified into the thing itself, separating the two would be like trying to divide soul from body. The end would result in epistemological death. Because ours is a symbolic world, we must always listen to the reasonable voice of faith who reminds us of that ever-important axiom, Word comes first. By faith, we understand. God is in the process of making all things new through His Son by the resurrecting power of His Spirit. This is something that is not always immediately perceptible to the human eye, but faith sees that which is invisible. This is absolute foolishness to the unbeliever. He's Neo before taking the pill. He's still under the illusion that the reality which he has known is the reality that actually exists. In his dream state, he may scoff and demand evidence for the claim that God is, in fact, reconciling all things to himself. He wants evidence. Fine. So we hold out faith. Word comes first. A cup of red poured forth and consumed. A single loaf broken yet binding together. Two once dead items giving life to those who partake of them. A watery grave marks the place of new birth. 
A book is read that raises the dead. These moments, punctuated by laughter and tears and songs, signify the inbreaking of the once and future reality that is not yet immediately perceptible by any other means. Foolishness, says the man in his matrix. Amen, says the once blind seeing man. We should not find it astonishing that God is summoning the world to himself through the foolishness of a message preached. After all, this is how he summoned the world into existence in the first place. Word comes first, then the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and the child at play in his mother's waking womb. Word comes first, then the sun, then his bride, then the world from death's broken tomb. Are water and wine and bread symbols of this new creation? Of course they are. Are they really potent? You betcha. In a spoken world made by a speaking word, in which we are all created figures of speech, nothing could be more powerful than a symbol.